Hello, I'm Tanuja Kopal, and I'm organizing a few different events at the Cambridge Health Tech Institute's upcoming World Preclinical Congress that takes place June 12th through the 16th in Boston. I'm delighted that Dr. James Hickman, who's one of our speakers, could take the time to join me today for this special podcast. Dr. Hickman is the founding director of the Nanoscience Technology Center and a professor of nanoscience technology, chemistry, biomolecular science, material science, and electrical engineering at University of Central Florida. So Dr. Hickman, you will be chairing a session on exploring relevant in vitro models in the symposium on new tools for disease modeling on June 12th. And there you'll be talking about some of your work developing a human model of neuromuscular junction activity for ALS and other neurological diseases. That sounds both exciting and challenging. Can you tell us a little bit about the challenges with some of the in vitro models that are being used today and how some of this work that you're doing right now can impact drug discovery going forward? As a lot of people know, the human-on-a-chip field is really taking off because the field of drug discovery and also toxicology really is trying to minimize costs try to decrease the amount of time, and also the EU has banned the use of animals in testing cosmetics. So that has become a key area for NIH to focus on and funding. DARPA has also put a lot of money into funding that. But now pharmaceutical companies and cosmetic companies are also starting to look at these systems to be utilized in their processes. So one of the key aspects will be regulatory in terms of trying to convince the FDA and the EMA to get the approval of these new human-on-a-chip systems for use in either in INDs or in giving them information for use in clinical trials. So one of the ways that it's being addressed is actually we're running a workshop with uh, AMBI, which is American Institute for Medical and Biological Engineering, in addition to NIH and the FDA, to look at the regulatory aspects We've already run five of these workshops, so it's one of the biggest questions that people have is, well, you know, how are you actually going to get the FDA and EMA to utilize these systems or prove their utilizations? Well, the five workshops have already been very successful, have brought in people from the FDA and EMA to make very good suggestions on how to do these for efficacy and also for toxicology purposes. And the sixth workshop will be held May 25th and 26th at NIH's campus and it will be focusing on how do you focus these systems on rare diseases. And so that will be this month in a couple of weeks. Also, you are giving a second talk at the conference on predicting drug toxicity. So it looks like these human-on-chip systems that you're developing have pretty diverse applications all through the drug development process. So can you talk a little bit more about some of the opportunities that these models present and also some of their limitations? Sure. The systems that we're developing, Mike Schuler and I, are basically multi-chip systems that have recirculating media and they're in a serum-free media. So it makes them an ideal for being able to evaluate not only drug candidates, but since we have liver present, also to look at their metabolites. And in our systems, what this allows us to do is look at efficacy and toxicology in exactly the same system. So now one can start looking at this as a very powerful tool preclinical for giving information not only on toxicity, but efficacy preclinical, but even pre-animal using human cells. It also allows us, because we're using non-invasive readouts, to be able to start looking at chronic. So if you really want to try to reproduce animals' data in these in vitro human systems, obviously uh, long-term repeat dose experiments will be necessary, and our systems are uniquely capable of being able to do that. And also how they're actually being constructed is they can also be low-cost based systems because that we're using a pumpless-based system 
that eliminate pumps and valves and bubbles and makes them very straightforward to produce and to run the systems. So this workshop that you're organizing in collaboration with the NIH on May 25th and 26th, you mentioned that that workshop would focus on rare diseases. So what are you hoping will be some of the key learnings from that workshop so that attendees who are keen to join will know more about it? Well, the workshop will be focusing on rare diseases because that is one of the key areas of human-on-a-chip systems we believe we'll be able to address from a regulatory standpoint because rare diseases don't have a lot of patients. You can't think about doing large clinical trials, but yet you really want to try to have a safety and be able to know that there's some efficacy before you actually go into a patient. So by using a human-on-a-chip system, you can actually get a lot of this data. And then the FDA and the EMA is very open to utilizing these systems for being able to justify using for rare disease certain drugs or treatments. And so my talk during the upcoming conference in Boston, which is focusing on ALS, okay, which is not exactly a rare disease, but it certainly doesn't have a huge patient population. You know, what we're doing is creating functional um, systems in neuromuscular junction that be able to look and see not only what a disease neuron will do, but if we actually take these disease neurons and synapse them onto muscle in a system where we can actually treat on the neuron side or on the muscle side, this makes an ideal platform to be able to look at a very intractable type disease in a human on a chip based system using induced pluripotent stem cell derived uh, motor neurons from ALS patients. And so that's where we believe the regulatory aspects that this workshop will address will be able to take those exact same systems and show how they can be used for all kinds of different rare diseases and start the conversation now about how the regulatory folks would think about their utilization and what key questions they would have to ask to be able to prove their use in allowing drugs to go forward into patients. And will the proceeds of this workshop be available to people who were not able to attend? I'm hoping to give a synopsis of the workshop's results at my talk in the CHA conference in Boston. And yes, we do publish reports from the workshops, and those will be available probably three to six months after the workshop. Thank you, Dr. Hickman. It was a pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you for your time, and we definitely look forward to the workshop and also your presentations at the upcoming World Preclinical Congress in Boston. For those of you who are listening to us, thank you for joining, and look forward to seeing you either at the workshop or at the conference in June. More details can be found at worldpreclinicalcongress.com. And Dr. Hickman, what is the website for your workshop? One can either go to the NIH, NIBIB webpage and find the link to the workshop, or you can also go to the AIMBY website, and it should be listed there. Or if they're interested, they could always just directly email me. All right. Thank you once again, and goodbye, everyone.